This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. Hey, y'all. I hope you're doing well and that you are enjoying the shift into some cooler autumn weather. Fall is definitely on its way here. This year has flown by. I cannot believe that we just celebrated the fall equinox a few days ago. My point today, the episode is going to be a quick roundup episode for just all of the awesomeness that is out there to be found right now, if you are interested in doing a little bit of end of summer foraging. As always, before we talk about any sort of foraging uh, and wildcrafting to be done, please, please, please make sure that you are absolutely 110% sure that you have the correct plant identification before you harvest something or stick something in your mouth. And also, any info that I share here about possible herbal uses for a plant, I am sharing for educational purposes only. Plants can and do have interactions with us. That's why we work with them. Uh, Everyone's body is different and can have different reactions and interactions. And also, we know that plants can have big interactions with medications that we might be taking. So as always, please do your own research Consult with your healthcare practitioner before incorporating a new plant into your wellness routine, especially if you are pregnant, nursing, have a medical condition, or are taking any medications. Phew. Okay, done with that. Now we can talk about the plants. Here we go. So the first plant that I want to talk about today is goldenrod. You've probably seen these bright yellow flowers swaying along the roadside and on woodland edges. I love having this plant around the farm because it's a great late season flower for our pollinators. Speaking of pollination, goldenrod is a plant that often gets blamed for seasonal allergies. And I am here to tell you to lay off. (laughs) It's not goldenrod's fault. Goldenrod, uh, the pollen is so heavy, it's not even wind pollinated. So this is not the plant that's responsible for those drippy sinuses. And in fact, might be able to help you with that. There are actually over 100 types of goldenrod, but luckily they're actually able to be used pretty interchangeably. So as long as you're absolutely sure that you have goldenrod, you don't need to worry about figuring out exactly which variety it is, unless you want to, which can really be fun. So if you want to nerd out a little bit and do some closer plant identification, go for it. Uh, So far, I have already found three different varieties here on our farm. I typically dry some of the leaves and flowers for tea, and then I'll also tincture some of that fresh as well. Goldenrod is great for seasonal allergies, which we mentioned, and drying up those drippy sinuses. And it's also antimicrobial. So I often combine it with sage and thyme to make a gargle if I have like just a sore throat that I'm trying to head off before it turns into something else. Goldenrod also with that microbial action Uh, and also it's a diuretic, makes it a really potent herb if you are dealing with urinary tract infections. And I've had pretty good success with clients uh, dealing with this by suggesting a tincture of goldenrod, corn silk, and spilanthes taken together. Another fall favorite or late summer favorite for me is ironweed. And we're actually almost past season here. I love its vibrant herbal blooms. You definitely, you can't miss them. If you've seen ironweed around, you will know because it can easily get to be five or six feet tall and you'll see it uh, in fields, along roadways, pretty much everywhere you look right now, you'll be able to spot it. The leaves can be dried for teas and are a powerful blood tonic. 
This isn't an herb that you'll find a lot of herbalists using, and it's actually rarely in most herbal books that you find. The most information I have found on it uh, was in writings looking at the teachings from indigenous folks uh, living on the land here and how they worked with that plant. So really good to go back and look at like where our plant knowledge is coming from. I think this is a great example of that. So there's more to be said here than I can get into in this episode. So if you're interested in working with ironweed, I would suggest inviting it into your garden uh, for its beauty and helping the pollinators and then doing some additional research before you start to work with it at an herbal level. The third plant I want to talk about today is sumac. And by this, I want to be really clear. I mean, staghorn sumac or smooth sumac, not poison sumac. This isn't, that's an entirely different plant. So the sumac we're talking about has big clusters of red berries that again, kind of like ironweed and goldenrod, you're not going to be able to miss them this time of year. They're just so gorgeous. And they're kind of everywhere you look right now. I personally think that these three plants, goldenrod, ironweed, and sumac are pretty much just like the most gorgeous fall arrangement if that you can put together if you want to decorate your kitchen table or your hearth or an altar, anything in your home, like a special space that you're trying to jazz up for the season. These three plants together are just so incredibly beautiful. I, I love them. Sumac is also a wonderful cooking spice. You've probably heard of zatar seasoning, which is a blend of sumac, oregano, thyme, and toasted sesame seeds. If you've never tried this, I would highly suggest you get some, or better yet, make some yourself. You'll probably have to buy the sesame seeds, but everything else is easy to grow uh, or forage nearby. So make some of this. You will not regret it. So good. And I bet you will start using this seasoning on pretty much everything. You can also use fresh clusters of the sumac berries to make something called sumac lemonade, or I've also seen it just called sumac aid. And you can find recipes for this online all over. It's pretty easy. You're basically taking the clusters of berries, submerging them in cold water, kind of shaking them around a bit, and, you know, getting some of that great flavor infused into the water and then adding whatever other ingredients you want, like, you know, lemon juice and a sweetener uh, to make a really tasty drink. I super enjoy it. The next plant I want to talk about is spicebush. And this is a shrub that you'll find in the woods. It's a fairly, it's a smaller shrub. So usually maybe six or eight feet tall at the most, often more in like the four to six foot range. The berries, uh, at least around here, those berries are ripening from August through October. I definitely just saw a bunch, you know, a few weeks ago when I was out hiking with a friend. The bright red berries, very easy for us to spot also very easy for the birds to spot. So usually if you see this, you probably won't see it again the next time you come back through because it is going to disappear pretty quickly. So you'll have to be quick to get some. But as always, we want to make sure that we are leaving enough for everyone else in the woods. Like I said, the birds rely on this for a food source. So make sure you're being mindful of what you are harvesting and taking and that you understand you're not the only the only living being in an ecosystem that is looking at that potential plant and thinking about harvesting from it. So these berries can be used in cooking and they have a really nice warming flavor. I think probably the closest thing I could correlate these two would be uh, probably like allspice. And so, yeah, so you can use these fresh uh, or you can dry them uh, to use them later. Really tasty and kind of cool because we know a lot of our spices come from overseas, from Asia, India, places like that. So kind of cool to be able to find like a more local regional plant that we can use as a spice. So I think that's pretty awesome. 
Next plant would be uh, if you've seen a spiky plant with gorgeous purple flowers recently, mostly probably along the roadsides or just out in fields, you have probably spotted a milk thistle. This plant is hepatic, which means it helps protect your liver and support liver function. And it has also seen some use uh, more recently in helping to assist blood sugar levels. There are some really kind of good studies that have been happening and underway for really how to really use this plant and, you know, develop a relationship with it. So this is another one where, you know, just like with all our plants, but especially this one, definitely do your research about this plant. Because if you are already dealing with liver issues and or diabetes, odds are you are probably already taking some medications. The next plant I want to tell you about is pokeweed. This plant, you know, when it comes up in spring, we're able to harvest and eat the very young tender leaves. There's a whole process for doing this where you have to boil the leaves usually three times, changing the water in each between each time. But for fall, we now get into the season where the plant is making berries to reproduce. Some folks get these berries confused with elderberries because they are the same color. So be careful. The formation, the type of berry cluster that you're getting is very different though. And so I think once you see them side by side, I doubt you will ever mix them up again. But the first time, always be cautious because these berries can make you very sick. But pokeberries hang down in clusters, sort of like a bunch of grapes, except that the individual berries usually aren't touching one another. This plant is a very low-dose plant, and so it is one that I would suggest you only work with herbally if you have done a lot of study about it and or you have a more experienced herbalist, you know, guiding you. Both the berries and the root can be worked with, and I always suggest to people if you're working with the root that you're going to want to wear gloves when you do it. And also just to be a little extra cautious, I tell people, make sure you're working in a well-ventilated space if you're chopping up the poke root. I still am going to talk about this plant in this episode, though, because even if you, you know, are a little trepidatious about working with it as an herb, uh, you can collect the berries and use those berries for natural dyeing, which is pretty cool. So you get this brilliant, you know, purple juice from the berry that, that you can then use to dye natural fibers. So there are lots of fun tutorials out there about this. Again, If you want to make this into a project, if you have young kiddos, just again, be aware, we don't want to eat the berries. So make sure you're keeping an eye on them uh, and let them know this is not a thing we want to put in our mouths. This is something you would only eat. Well, you wouldn't even eat them. You would swallow them. Um, They're done as like a cleansing uh, part of like a, like usually a three to five, sometimes a little bit longer cleansing process where you're usually swallowing just like one berry per day. And then the next day you swallow two, but you're swallowing them whole. You don't want, you want everything to pass through completely. But again, this is like maybe a little bit more experience than we want to get into here on the show, especially today. You know, this would be more of like a full episode to talk about pokeberry, but you can do some research about that. If you're interested in learning about it, you can make salve um, from the poke root. That's really useful for some specific ailments, but we're not going to get into those today. But I think if you want to get into natural dyeing, this is an awesome plant as well as goldenrod. So much great stuff in autumn that if you're interested in natural dyeing, I would suggest, you know, working with these plants, you know, that way and inviting them into your garden first that way. And then maybe looking at them for the herbal properties as you get to know these plants. Going to talk about two fruits now to find in your forest. The first would be pawpaws. Uh, Pawpaw season is starting to wind down now. If you have a favorite forage spot for them, (laughs) I am super jealous of you. I have planted pawpaws in our woods here, but it's probably going to be seven or eight years until I actually see any fruit from those trees. 
this is such a fun and unique food. It has a really short season, not a long shelf life. And so it's not one that you're really going to find commercially available. If you luck out, you might see someone selling them at a farmer's market. If you do scoop them up (laughs) immediately. But when you're just out walking in your woods, keep your eyes peeled if you live in an area where they grow. And if you want to know more about pawpaws, you know, about the joy of eating them, finding them, and how to propagate them, jump on back to episode nine of the podcast. And we had a whole episode about this plant from a guest who provided guest audio to us. And check that out and give that a listen if you want to know more about this plant. The other fruit I want to talk about uh, that you're starting to see along in the forest and along the forest edge would be persimmons. I actually, you know, was really excited to find that we have two full-grown persimmon trees here on the property. So that was super cool. But then I've also planted some additional trees uh, in the last like year or so, just some small whips. You really want to make sure these are ripe (laughs) before you eat them. They are super, super astringent if they are unripe. Trust me, your mouth will pucker and dry up immediately to let you know that they are not ready. It is a pretty unforgettable experience. It's just like having chalk in your mouth. But once they are ripe, this is another really awesome food that you're not going to find in most places. Wild persimmons have smaller fruit than the ones that you can sometimes find in stores. Uh, But I love them because wild means free. And if you do find any persimmons in a grocery store, you know, they're being shipped a long distance to get to you. And I also just don't find the flavor to be quite as enjoyable. There are larger fruits, but I don't, I feel like they don't have as much flavor. So if you're harvesting wild persimmons, I have heard that drying the fruits will take out some of that astringency to make them a little bit more palatable. Uh, If you happen to get some that aren't, you know, as ripe as you want them to be. I have not tried that myself personally. I'm looking forward to trying that this year. But yeah, just making sure that you are getting them when they are very ripe. And when they're ripe, they're almost going to look rotten. So if you're looking at the fruit like any other fruit that you would eat and you think it's ready, it's not ready. Let it keep sitting there uh, and ripen up. You can, you know, put them in paper bags or just leave them on your counter. But you want to get to the point where with another fruit, you would think, oh, this is past its time and I probably just need to compost it. That's going to be your best shot. Uh, to actually get a persimmon that you want to put in your mouth and not be so astringent. And lastly, let's talk about some mushrooms. So I know some folks have been getting some late chanterelle harvests, uh, but that season is definitely wrapping up here. You might find some late flushes if you're lucky. Also, black trumpet mushrooms have been out. And turkey tails are out now. That season is still going strong. I actually just saw some yesterday when I was out hiking with a friend. They were so itty bitty, too small to harvest yet, but might have to go back and check those out in a few days or a week or so. And this is not really a foraging thing for me since all I have to do is walk out back to where our woods start and where we have mushroom logs at the edge of our woods right inside there. But I've gotten some really nice shiitake mushrooms this year, gotten a couple flushes, hoping we'll get even more along the way. So if you have mushroom logs in your property, make sure you're going out and checking them regularly, especially like a day or two after you get some rain. And if you have newer logs, which some of my logs are newer, you know, you might need to soak them and do like a force flush. This is a good time of year to do that. So I'm going to be doing that in the next week or so. And as we move further into fall, we are still going to have plenty to harvest and be getting out there and seeing especially nuts. So if you're interested in like processing acorns and stuff, 
go ahead and get on that, get some knowledge around that. You know, black walnuts, uh, pecans, just hickory nuts, so much coming into season right now. I'm also really excited to try to find some hawthorn berries around here. Haven't been able to find any. If you're local to me and you know a spot to find some hawthorn to forage, please let me know and maybe we can go together and, and tag team that. Speaking of hawthorn, we will also be doing an episode in October for our herbal profile series that will be all about hawthorn and the medicinal uses for the leaves, flowers, and the berries. That's all I've got for you today. I am releasing this on a Saturday, so I hope that you can find a little bit of time this weekend to get outside and take a look around at what bounty the season is bringing to the land that you live on. Even if you don't actually harvest anything, that's totally fine. Just go take a look. Maybe ID some plants that are new to you and get some fresh air and enjoy it. This is a great season. Temperatures are cooling off. This is my favorite time of year to be outside. If you want to support the show uh, and so that I can spend more time producing content and getting really great guests on the show, please check us out over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elder. The link is in the show notes. Every dollar helps and I appreciate it so much so that I can put more time into making this show better and better for y'all. As always, contact me with questions, comments, topics you'd like me to cover, or suggest a guest for a future interview. Foxandelder.com. You can find me on Instagram at foxandelder, or just shoot me an email through the website. And I hope y'all are doing well. Until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.